ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these. Go to eleven once again. Nathan Bell joining me as always. Zach Bartles. Zach, what's going on, man? What are you talking about? I did not spend two hours today watching a documentary called BBS about bulletin board <laughs> systems run in the late seventies. Why would I do that? Why bring it up? <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. (laughs) You know what? We just rocked the (laughs) Casbah. That's it, folks. Signing off. (laughs) So, so Zach, tell me, tell me about this documentary. (laughs) What documentary? Oh, the one I didn't watch. I don't know about it. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I I did run a bulletin board system. I will have you know, when I was a uh, oh I don't know. 15, 16, 17-year-old, the Lamb BBS. It was a Christian BBS. <laughs> I was the co-sysop. That's great. That's great. Oh, man. Dude, something you did do today or you're going to do today um, is talk to us about mission aware. Tell oh, me a little bit about dude. that. Mission aware. All right, let me – you know what? I got a bunch of products to talk about, but I want to talk about service all right. All right. Because let's hear about service. For for funsies, we were busting the busting chops, you know. Uh yeah. on, on our on our boy Jeff. And uh I, I said again last week that's that was all in good fun and anything I've ever ordered has come quickly. Well let me tell you what I realized. I was uh I was on Facebook and I saw uh, my boy Josh Loftus. I'm gonna just give a little quick uh plug for this guy's new podcast, The Reformatory. Uh, and he also does every day a Monday. Uh, and I've been on that. It's a good podcast. He's, he's a good guy. I saw a picture of his, uh, like study and there he had a Spurgeon bust. And on the front of the Spurgeon bust, it says Charles Spurgeon. And I'm going, I don't, I don't think mine says that. (laughs) So I, I texted him and I'm like, uh, What's going on with that? Did you get that made or something? And he was like, "No, it was just it was in the box. It was in a little plastic bag." And and you know, you pull out, you stick them on the front of the and I realized I had accidentally thrown away <laughs> the nameplates. So, I contacted Jeff and now get this. This is what you call uh kismet or or something because I said, uh, is there any way I can get some more of these nameplates? He said, yeah, sure. And since I'm sending you stuff, is there anything else you want? And so I told him a few other things I might want to see. Uh, so I'm glad I threw away those nameplates. Um, so, yeah, nice. if you – I remember the first thing that I ever bought off Missionalware was a journal ages ago. I mean, Missionalware has been around for a long time. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's yeah. it's not some you know there's a lot of like fly by night uh, wannabe missional wearers out there, and you know they just they don't they don't hold up. This this one's stood the test of time. And the first one that I remember, I was very uh, pleasantly surprised how quickly things came. And then after me and Ted got our one gut check shirt up, um, <laughs> we we he had said he was going to send some, and but we were like you know what let's just buy some. Let's just let's buy them. We'll see how quick we can get them. So we used the Gut Check debit card uh, and bought two Gut Check Army T-shirts. Which holy cow! I'm actually 
I'm actually wearing right now. Uh, nice. And I had to check under my uh, Grand Rapids Theological Seminary sweatshirt. But yes, uh, and uh, they came like two days later. I mean, like whatever he, he, system he's got in place for fulfilling orders, whatever it says it's going to be, it's going to be quicker probably. Or at least quick. he's yes. not going to leave you hanging. Um, yeah. Missional wear. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you about other stuff that I got, like uh, a cigar case that is amazing. And I'm going to tell you about some coasters and I'm tell you about some other stuff. But um, absolutely the... The service you get there is very good. And, and you can meet the guy um, behind it all if you want uh, at just about any conference where people lean toward the Calvinistic. Uh, and that's kind of <laughs> cool. Uh, and also, I, I've found him to be very open to like people's suggestions of what kind of products they'd like to see. You know, Drop him a nice, line, and nice. he's always developing new stuff. So, yeah, definitely go to Missional Wear dot com and uh honestly what you have to do and and i i'm torn between our obligation to the sponsor and my obligation as a man of the cloth i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the man of the cloth and say before you get on there tell yourself make an agreement covenant with yourself if you will <laughs> how much money you're gonna spend because otherwise you're gonna click add 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 and you're gonna look at your 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 little cart and even though things are uh very uh, reasonably priced, you're going to have a very large debt uh, that you owe. And I mean, nice as he is, he's going to get his money. And, you know, he, right. you don't want a guy with with that kind of like, he's got like the Andre Agassi build where it's like a, like a tennis build, but his arms are really absurdly huge. Like, like some of the muscles on his arms seem like they have their own muscles. So you don't want to get on the wrong side of all that. Um, you know, that a guy who's so in tune with the total depravity um, and all the other four, you know, points of Calvinism. Uh, the, the, I'll tell you what, you want to see irresistible grace. Uh, and by grace, I mean somebody getting their money that you owe them. Just no, man, really, really get on there and check it out. We've got products on there. I think that uh, these go to 11 has probably what half a dozen uh, basic products with kind of different versions yep. of a few of them. Uh, and yep. we'd love to see pictures of you sporting your these go to 11 stuff uh, on yes. Twitter, on yes. Facebook. Uh, it'd be a cool way both to get the word about the podcast out and. Uh, to get the word about Mission Aware out. So do that. Do that. Do it. No, I'm serious. Do it. Do it now. Do Just it. do it. Nice. I nice. said do it. Now, Zach, uh, you've wrapped up your uh, Kickstarter with your audio recordings. Uh, tell us how that's going. Well, I told you right before we started recording that I had uh, gotten the new mic that I bought with uh, the... Uh, money that's not yet come in from Kickstarter because they always make you wait like three weeks. Um, and then uh, I also have, you want to hear, I hadn't planned on talking about this, but it's kind of funny. And I'd like to hear your, as a kind of audio guy with your own studio setup, yep. uh, I'd like okay. to hear your take on this. I have decided to build my own kind of semi-mobile recording booth uh, because okay. I, I did all of the recording of clinch in my study at the church it yep most of them sound quite good 
Um, you can tell when I use different mics. I, I have had seven different setups for audio over the past seven or eight years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, my my favorite, weirdly, I think the thing that sounded best was a regular vocal mic from my GarageBand days, plugged yeah. into this iRig thing and plugged into my phone, an old phone I had. And it, it recorded really crisp, and then that phone broke, and I got a newer, better phone, and it didn't sound good anymore. So anyway, what I'm doing this time, to make sure that these don't sound at all do-it-yourself. The last thing I want is to listen to this and go, eh, good enough for somebody threw this together. You know, sounds like a podcast. I want it to sound, as, as we say in the, in the audio world, completely dry. Um, mm-hmm. I want it to be utterly without any kind of uh you know spatial reverberation uh without any yep. maxing out without any just just nothing to distract um so right, right. <laughs> i have purchased and I, you wouldn't believe the hours i put into the research on this i've purchased <laughs> quite a large number of uh tiles sound proofing tiles uh which yep. i now have uh and i'm and, and a couple of sound blankets And I'm going to build, and I went through seven or eight different designs on this. What I decided on is a kind of a V shape uh, that's going to go on my desk. And some, somebody who's more of an audio nerd than me is going to try and point out something wrong with this. I've, I've, trust me, it's going to work fine. I've experimented already with, with different versions of it, but uh, basically it'll have hinges so it can be stored easily. It's going to open up inside. It'll be eh, three feet tall, three feet deep. Um, you never want to square, of course, because of the way sound travels. I mean, it's real basic physics type stuff, but, uh, it'll be like, uh, you know, just in front of me and then on top as well, again, with the, the soundproof tiles and then over that, the soundproof blanket, which will go over my head and behind me. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm essentially encased in, and then I'm going to have a couple of lights mounted up there so I can actually read the the books. Um, and, and I'm, I'm getting to work on that this weekend. And uh, I, I'm hoping to start recording audiobooks uh, next week. I had two different people hit me up and say, hey, I know it's done, but is it too late to get in on this? And I said, you know what? We're going to have a couple weeks of grace period since uh, I'm in control of my audiobooks at this point completely. Uh, I get to do right. that. So if you go on the Kickstarter, if you missed it, if you go on the Kickstarter and you choose a tier, PayPal the money to me at Zach with an H at pastorzach.com uh, and and tell me, you know, what, what rewards you're signing up for and stuff. I'll get you on the list because it's just going to be as simple as me shooting out files uh, or access or links to files as they're ready. So it's, nice. it's easy to add people to the list. Uh, and I didn't want people to miss out if they were, whatever, traveling or something or just didn't see it. Uh, and a sure. huge shout out, thank you to... The Burnhams, uh, who were mm-hmm. amongst the uh, highest uh, of the uh, funders, uh, they they hit that top tier, and they are probably in the top one percent as far as uh, listeners that interact with the show and are yeah. and have been yeah. and have been listening for a long time, long before I was on board. Uh, they were they were very bought in, uh, and also Chuck Weebus, whose real name many don't know, uh, but it's it rhymes with Bob Gnutson. Uh and then uh, a buddy of mine from ministry that I've known for years jumped in at that level. A guy named Chris Rulin, uh, which just blew me away that uh, he was supporting my 
my publishing uh, at that level. So really excited, really, really excited to get going on it. I have been listening to lots and lots and lots of uh, music. Uh, I got to decide where, where I'm going to sink those funds in. Uh, I've listened to a number of sound effect type things, but mostly with that kind of stuff and even ambient noise in the background, I'm going to do all that recording myself. I really right, want, right. Uh, especially since these things take place in Detroit, Grand Rapids, it's really easy for me to go to the actual place I was thinking of when I wrote the scene and just record the room and you know give it a little extra feeling of, of uh, genuine presence. So that's yeah. where that stands. And uh, yeah, I'll give you a few updates as, as we go along. Uh, really hoping to get that playing saint. I wish I could have timed it so that it came out in late October because that's when it takes place. Sequel also right, takes place right. in late October the next year, but ah, well, what do you think? <laughs> hey, it'll work. It'll work. That's awesome, man. It's great. Uh, great that that's all underway and, and moving forward. So we will definitely make sure we uh, ask you about that regularly and find out where you are. I know our listeners are eager to uh, eager to get their hands on it. So we'll definitely uh, keep, keep everybody posted on that. Also going to be available on cassette tape. Ooh, are you going old school with that if, one? If anyone wants it, I'm a, I have the I have the equipment, man. That's awesome. I actually even have one of those bulk tape duplicators. <laughs> A church that I went to nice. was getting rid of it. I'm like, they were going to throw it away. I'm like, no, you're not throwing this away. So it, it belongs to me now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, so that's a lot about me and what I've been watching or not watching and doing. What are you up to, man? Yeah, I, you know, things are, um, uh, it, it was interesting because I ended up uh, giving up one aspect of uh, what I was doing at school. Uh, I was working in the after school program last year and uh, someone else came in this year and, and they took that over, which was which was great. And I thought I was going to have more time to zero in and focus on some other things in terms of uh, the school and how it runs and all that. Um, and it's just, um, it's been one thing after another. Um, I, I'm seriously just kind of shocked and impressed, uh, how, how things have not settled down, um, at school yet. I was, I was thinking, you know, by the time October comes around, uh, early October, I was like, all right, well, we'll be into the groove of things. We'll have a couple of, you know, kind of high points that'll hit, you know, we have grandparents day and some things like that. And those will be a little busier. Uh, but it really, it's just been going nonstop full force since day one. So, um, you know, that's, that's really been taking up the majority of my time, uh, that, and then I'm also, uh, taking master's classes, uh, to increase my education. So, uh, that's all just been, you know, throwing me for a loop with everything. So, that has been my life work-wise, um, and then you and I weren't able to record last week, and part of that was because I was up in New Hampshire for uh, my brother's wedding. Uh, he was getting married. It was a lovely time, beautiful day, uh, beautiful ceremony, and uh, we just all had a, a fantastic time. Uh, great to uh, bring a new family member in, and uh, it was actually... Um, the person that he married was the sister of a girl that I graduated uh, with high school from. And uh, so it was interesting to get caught up with her and find out what she was doing. And 
just kind of, you know, trip down memory lane, so to speak. Nice, man. New yeah. Hampshire is uh, the official state of uh, Caucasians. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, it does not surprise me. I don't think I ever officially knew that, but it does not surprise me. I just made it up also. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so we, we hopefully you were able to have the self-disciplined listener to portion out into two portions that last episode and make it last two weeks so that you wouldn't That's be... Right. You know, having to re-listen, and we know that you can't quit us. We know that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's how things have been going. And we had last week, or two weeks ago, when we last recorded, we had actually had another topic that we were going to discuss. Um, and I want to get into that topic, but first, I, I think we would be a little remiss if we didn't bring up uh, the whole John MacArthur thing that's been going around. Um, and you and I, uh, you know, were texting today about uh, what we were going to do because, you know, we're just uh, such professionals that we plan uh, so far in advance. And uh, you were like, you know, I think that's kind of been uh, done to death. But, you know, we are our own unique entity and podcast, Zach. So I think we at least need to uh, mention it and, and talk about it briefly. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because I actually um, am more interested in the topic that we have planned uh, versus this one. So um, let's just uh, let's just talk about this whole thing that's been going on with John MacArthur and uh, Beth Moore. Uh, just just briefly, we'll touch on it. Um, Assuming there so, are some who don't know what it is, you want to just give a synopsis? Yeah, so uh, the nutshell of it is um, John MacArthur was doing a, it was a discussion panel, correct? It was a Q&A um, panel, yeah, at a, okay, a I think yeah. a conference. It was Todd Friel who was, who was bringing up um, different words looking for a response. So the fact that it was Todd Friel tells you, and I think that people lose the context, that it was expected it would be funny, it would be entertaining, not that yeah. it would be deep theology. Yeah. And so it was just kind of like just supposed to be this almost uh, like you said, just kind of this initial reaction um, response to to what he was saying. And he brought up Beth Moore's name and uh, there was an initial response that he had given. Correct. Um, I'm a little I'm a little vague. I, I had read a different article about what had happened, not uh, the actual. Okay, I, thing I watched that the happened. actual thing, and he just said, uh, uh, "I think he started to say something that was longer." And he said, "No, no, no, one word," and uh, he said, "Go home." Uh, okay. And then uh, I think he tried to kind of nuance it after all the laughter died away, because I think he sort of felt like, oh, "Wait, this might come back to haunt me later on." Um, I mean, there's there's certainly not some damnable aspect of if he really thinks she's unfit. Uh, but I think the thing that he you could see it in his eyes that he was yeah. he could feel it coming. And then Phil Johnson was there too. Uh, wherever you find uh, the one, you find the other generally. And uh, Phil Johnson said narcissist uh, and tried yeah. to paint her as kind of uh, the Stephen Furtick-y kind of find yourself in scripture and make it about you, which I don't. I've never noticed that in Beth Moore's oh, teaching yeah, no. ever. So I thought that was a really odd. This, this sounded like somebody who 
had filed Beth Moore away somewhere in his mind, but not yeah. from knowledge, rather just from assumption or association or whatever. Um, right. Yeah. And so there has been some good responses. I think the best one you and I had both read independently was Sam Storms, who is a yes. great pastor. Um, and luckily, uh, I think Barnabas uh, Pipe uh, put that out today. So a lot of people will see that that might not have otherwise um, yes. and, and will read it. And it was it was spot on. But I made the mistake of looking at the comments below and he reached <laughs> no one who didn't already see things his right. way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, am, in fact, yeah. posted that on my own uh, Facebook, and I just said, comments are disabled. And then underneath right. it, in parentheses, I said, obviously, you can't do that on Facebook, but I just made to say, if you try to start an argument about this, I'm going to just delete right. your comment. So you're wasting it. your time. <laughs> and yeah. It, but Stan Storms basically just said, first of all, he said, I, I know Beth Moore a little bit. I've sat under a little bit of her teaching. My wife loves her stuff and used to go to her conferences. Mm-hmm. And I think she's you're you're really selling her short and throwing her under the bus for no reason. But that's not why I'm writing. My main reason is because we've lost common courtesy. And yeah. uh, he he made a great and there was a Dorothy Sayers quote in there that blew my mind because um, I love yep. I love Dorothy Sayers. Uh, and in in the midst of just you know scripture and and calls for us to be not jerks. And and I mean it, it's one thing. If you are, I mean, and I, I, I'm in a weird position here, Nathan, because, you know, we have the, we have the randomizer on Gut Check podcast, right? Right. Which right. currently reads either Union Seminary or Jonathan Merritt tweets. Uh, and we sort of, uh, not sort of, we, we, we try not to laugh at them um, because we think they're absurd. And that's kind of part of the shtick. But at the right. end of the day, I, I think that there's a, a difference between, Ha ha, I think that this thing is way off base, and I'm going to uh, point it out not in an angry, mean way, but in a funny way. Yes. And this sort of, you know, condemnation, like, um, you know, an actual, uh, I, I mean, it's not really an anathema. I mean, maybe it kind of is, but there's a big, there's a big space there. And, and with, when you have Todd Friel involved, it's sort of like saying, okay, it was on the Gut Check podcast. It's sort of the same kind of animal. I'm I'm torn about whether or not this changes my view of Johnny Mac. He's been getting more and more, like, mean over the years anyway. Go ahead. Right, right. Well, and, I mean, one of the things, too, is I, I think it's those who have been following Gut Check for a while know that you guys, um, you know, have have these segments on Gut Check where you do these things. Um, and, and that's the spirit in which it's it's intended. And, and you and Ted are getting together um, as friends. You, you make no bones about, you know, the, that's not necessarily, you know, a teaching podcast. You're not there. I mean, you, obviously, you know, as a you're. You, as a pastor, you know, you, you do filter yourself to a certain extent, but you're not I there do? necessarily pastorally. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you're not necessarily on gut check pastorally. And, and we've talked about the tone of our podcast as well. That's not something we're going to do on our p- podcast, even though we do have sarcastic moments and we do have those times. And, you know, we do, we are, 
um, more like that. You know, we we have times where we're breaking things down more theologically and we're having deeper discussions um, in in this arena, you know, which is one of the reasons why I think, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but why I think you enjoy being on this podcast is that there are different arenas for you um, to be in the podcast thing. You know, what you do with Ted at Gut Check is different than what you and I do together. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and so, but I think when you're when you're having this, you know, Q and A panel, and you are clearly up there as a pastoral figure, uh, you probably should be a little bit more careful and and thinking and choosing your words a little bit more wisely. Mm-hmm. You brought up that Dorothy Sayers quote, which I actually have right here um, because you you reposted it on. Uh, your Facebook. And I I would like to read that because it was, um, it is just so profound. And I think it's worth, um, it it is worth saying on here. Um, They, women, had never known a man like this man. There never has been such another, a prophet and teacher who never nagged at them, never flattered or coaxed them or patronized, who never made jokes about them, never treated them either as the woman God help us, or the ladies, God bless them, who rebuked without quarrelness and praised without condensation, who took their questions and arguments seriously, who never mapped out their sphere for them, never urged them to be feminine or jeered at them for being female, who had no axe to grind and no uneasy male dignity to defend, who took them as he found them and was completely unself-conscious. There is no act, no sermon, no parable in the whole gospel that borrows its pungency from female perversity. Nobody could possibly guess from the words and deeds of Jesus that there was anything funny about woman's nature. Yeah, it is just such, um, you know, when you go back and you look at what Christ said and the way he really turned um, society upside down on its head when he entered the world. Um, it, it is just so profound and distinct. And um, it, that should not be, as the quote said, that should not be treated as funny. Now, I do want to point out that it's possible that Jesus praised the women with condensation, but not with condescension. No. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I, dude, I, I, I did the same thing, only way worse because it was in a sermon and it went the opposite. I was preaching and I said, we're, we're free to do it. I meant to say anything that, the, that God doesn't prohibit. And I said, anything that God doesn't permit. And I'm like, oh, boy. Yeah. Now, granted, it doesn't say who um, this man is, that the woman had never known a man like this man. But she was not talking about John MacArthur, rather, but the Lord Jesus. Right. Uh, and, and so, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. There's there's a th- that to me, I read this and I say, OK, um, that's one aspect of Jesus. And I think it's the most important one, because it, the women that we read about him encountering are all downtrodden. And yes. by virtue of being women in generally in a uh, very um, hardcore patriarchal uh, culture that makes them pretty much second-class uh, citizens, it stood yeah. out quite a bit. Um, 
also, though, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say, no, does John MacArthur sitting up there answering these funny little, you know, give me one word takes on, on this stuff. Does that fit with, well, I mean, who's to say that Jesus didn't also joke around? Jesus also, I, I, um, I, I didn't realize till after the fact what he was talking about, but, um, uh, because he hadn't posted the Sam Storms thing, or I hadn't seen it, but uh, Piper earlier today said uh, that Jesus only ever had harsh words for uh, religious leaders and hypocrites uh, Mm -hmm. and people who are self-righteous. And I said, hold on, he called Herod a fox, and I don't think he meant fox like when Wayne and Garth would call a girl a fox. (laughs) Um, through an intermediary, but he called, he said, tell that Fox. Uh, and he said, well, he, you know, he would be filed under hypocrite. And I'm like, not so much. I mean, hypocrites are people who present themselves as righteous and hide their sin. Whereas Herod flaunted his sin. There, there was a place where Jesus would have a bit of a sharp tongue. He just wasn't, uh, you know, freewheeling with it. It was surgical. Um, right. And I think the problem First of all, the video of of the interaction was obviously someone's cell phone. I don't think that John MacArthur and Phil Johnson thought this was going to go out to everyone. And some mm-hmm. might go, well, you should only say what... Well, if you're talking to people who you know you already have 99% in common with, you can probably assume that they'll read you the right way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if it was going to be going out, you know, simulcast, webcast to everybody, they probably would have couched things a little differently. I'd mm-hmm. like to give the benefit of the doubt on something like this, uh, but if it were meant, if it were if it were read in the wrong way by people, I think we would have gotten an apology by now, right. and I haven't seen that. So, I don't know. The whole thing, to me, just made me, like, Spurgeon almost certainly would not have been a huge Beth Moore fan, and I say that for a few reasons. I don't feel the need to suss out. Maybe you disagree with me. I don't care. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. Like, I don't care. Like, it doesn't. it's not important to me. But if he right. was, let's say if he was not a big fan of hers and she was popular, um, I don't think he would have done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I just don't. And, and you know what? Never mind. I'm going to back off from that because, because I was reading uh, some Spurgeon the other day and the way he spoke in glowing words about uh, certain women teachers and even admitted to yoinking one of their their uh, kind of uh, communion meditation outlines he mm-hmm. he may have been he, he may have been uh okay with her with her teaching the way she teaches i i don't i, I just long for a time when we didn't have all this and i recognized yeah. when i discovered it at first i was really excited because it it sort of implied ooh i get to be a jerk and it seems spiritual if i'm a jerk in this way you know when I when I found Calvinism and I was cage staging, and right. now I'm just so I'm so burned out on it, and I'm going, ugh, that was such an icky road to go down, and I'm so yeah. thankful for guys like John Piper, who yeah. have done nothing but grow more and more gracious as they get yeah. older and mature more and more in the faith, and I can look to them and say that's the path I want to be on. I don't want to yeah. get like hardened and and spoiled milk. And and m- more and more unpleasant. I want right. to be more and more full of mercy and the way I yeah. deal with people to to be more and more uh, like what Dorothy Sayers describes the way that Jesus appeared to the women and and the way he was with them. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and I absolutely agree. And I think that was I, I think that was one of the great things that I appreciated about. Um, Sam Storm's article was just um, that was just his approach. You know, first of all, 
um, you know, let's let's remember, you know, Christ's own words where he said, you know, they will know my you're my disciples by the love you show to one another. Um, you know, and so the fact that he was pointing that out and redirecting all of us to that path, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't calling for people to, you know, lynch up MacArthur. I mean, he was calling to remind us all that we need to be more gracious to one another and kinder to one another. Yeah. And and I need to hear it. I know that. I read yeah. that and thought, yeah, this is a needed corrective. I mean, Christian Twitter in general, uh, the the church in a hot take culture, particularly, mm-hmm. yeah, we need to hear that every once in a while. And it's if if I read that and I react against it, mm-hmm. um, I think that just indicates that the problem in me is even more significant. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, we've we've gone through more than half our time on that topic now. Just saying. All right. Well, now we have the topic that we were going to talk about. Um, is ministry really the hardest thing? And by thing, is it is it really the hardest uh, vocation? Is it really the hardest calling that is uh, that's out there? Um, and Zach, you brought this one up. Um, and uh, was it because um, just something that was popping in your head? Or did you recently have a pastoral friend who was kind of making some of these remarks and that's what brought it to your to your mind i mean it's mostly it's the yoda tweets man that are just like constant um and by yoda tweets this is something uh a term a brilliant term coined by the uh one and only ted a cluck uh to describe tweets that start with the word pastors and then a comma uh and (laughs) often they seem like they're actually directed toward other people other than pastors to celebrate pastors I don't know. Uh, it, it, and I, I used to do these tweets until I until I came headlong against somebody making fun of them in a way that made me realize, yeah, most of the time when I'm doing this, I'm trying to just look, you know, like like the holiest pastor on the block. Uh, and, it, you know, it's, it's not really I don't think there's a real market for. You know, maybe there are a few pastors out there who feel like, oh, it's just not even worth doing it, and this one tweet will will get them through. Maybe. But again and again and again, I read, you know, how difficult it is, how heavy it is on the heart, how everyone's frazzled. They always think, you know, Saturday night. I I always do a fake, like, like parody Yoda tweet on a Saturday <laughs> night now. Uh, this last time I said, pastors, comma, uh, do you remember that one commercial for Little Caesars when the cheese was bouncing on the table? That was it. That was a whole tweet. Um, but uh, like they're all like, I feel like the point is this is the hardest thing you could be doing. And mm-hmm. if you're not a pastor, you need to be praying for your pastor. Those are very common too. And yes, pray for your pastor, of course. Right. But because yeah. he's about to just fall apart, there's these statistics that go around. Like they have all been, um, you know, 82% report having been uh, betrayed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like they've been betrayed by a friend, uh, you know, and, and 78% report having felt lonely or depressed in the past uh, six months. And I'm like, yeah, but how does this stack up to just everybody? Right. I mean, right. everybody's got problems. Yes, Pastors, uh, I know a lot of them who work so hard and it's thankless, but we knew that going in. Uh, right. And like the the notion that really irks me is the subtext to a lot of these things being if you don't feel like you are going to 
fail at this and you are failing, you're probably not very holy. Uh, and mm. so I guess I interrupted myself earlier, like those Saturday night non-parody Yoda tweets from a lot of different people. And I'm yeah. not just thinking of any one person. I mean, this is this is manifold on my Twitter feed. Um, yeah. They seem to say like uh, on Saturday night, you know, I know that you feel like you're you're not you're the last person who should be getting up and speaking and, and preaching and you think it's going to be a disaster, but God can even use the disasters. Then on Sundays, it's always like, yeah, you, I, we know that you felt like this morning was, was awful and horrible, but God somehow touched somebody with it. And I'm like, well, what what's wrong with me then? If, if I feel like I'm gifted <laughs> to do this and, and I put in right. the time and, and I'm going to do all right. I'm not, I'm not tied in knots that, that Sunday morning is going to be a disaster and only, one out of 10 Sundays do I walk out of the pulpit going, oh, man, that did not go well. Uh, <laughs> right. So, so like, what is this a, a martyr syndrome, do you think? And as someone who's not in vocational ministry, I'd be curious to get your take on where yeah. this comes from. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is, um, I, you know, I think growing up, I remember hearing, you know, the— the same kind of thing that revolved around pastors, missionaries, um, you know, that, oh, this is uh, this is God's work. And so, you know, you, you better make sure that, you know, you're in in the right and that you're doing it. And, um, you know, there I think there's all this added pressure and expectation to a certain extent. Um, more and more, I've actually been um, over the years been uh glad to hear where I feel like more pastors are are adequately shepherding their churches to the point where, you know, the the congregation is not burdening the pastor like that, um, where, you know, they expect their pastor to, you know, be holy as Jesus was holy. And if you're not, then, you know, get out of the pulpit. It's like it's the understanding that you know, I, I'm here with you, guiding you in this. But you know, I I'm I'm not perfect by any means, um, and I think uh, there was this this pretense that was put up for many years, and and I and I think it still does go on in many churches that you know the pastor is is this you know person up there, and and you know don't touch them or they'll break. Um, you know, as someone who I, I think any profession where you're dealing with people is draining. Um, I've really just, I've come to that conclusion, or it can be draining. Um, let me rephrase that. Uh, because over the years, I've been in a number of different professions. And uh, when I started off in my career, uh, I was in tree work. And so, I you know, there was nothing draining about cutting down trees other than the physical aspect of it. Um, and so my level of being tired was strictly uh, physical, had nothing to do with um, the emotional um, pouring into my job. You know, I, I got up and I did my job and, you know, got paid and, you know, it, it was it was fine. There was there was nothing, um, you know, there was nothing to it really emotionally in that in that instance. I did notice a distinct difference in my level of exhaustion um, dealing with people when I became a teacher. 
And that's not to say that I don't enjoy it and I don't, um, it's not something, uh, I mean, I can't see myself doing anything else. Um, I, I love, you know, being um, a teacher. I love being in that position. I love working with the kids. I love working with their parents. But it does take an emotional toll um, on me that I've noticed that was not there when I was taking down trees. Um, and so I, I think there's part of that aspect, but I don't. But again, like for me, working with people uh, I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go back taking down trees. I just, I can't picture myself doing anything else. And I would hope that pastorally, you know, um, you talked about just having a series of, you know, funerals that you were doing or hospital visitations that you were doing. Um, and that, you know, takes a toll on you. You know, we just talked about that, but again, can you really see yourself doing anything else, Zach? Sure. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't want to not be preaching on a Sunday yeah. morning. I would have to be involved on some level in church leadership, whatever church, I, as long as I was qualified, uh, whatever right. church I was part of and, you know, teaching because I have the, the seminary degree and the love for the text and the, you know, years of, of pouring over it and I want to share it. But I, I don't know the whole, like, if you can see yourself doing anything else, do it. Um, you know, mm -hmm. making people feel like they're Marines or something when they're in the seminary. Right. It, it has a its place, I guess. But I, st I think all of this stuff, the the tweets, you know, and before it, that kind of stuff, the like mm -hmm. fetishizing and holding up of, um, you know, the the notion that we, on on graduate Sunday when there were kids going into business, some kids going in, you're planning to eventually go into to education, and then me, mm -hmm. the only one going into ministry, that like special prayer was made for me. As if that's um, the important work and the other is not important. Right. It all feeds right. into a very uh, false dichotomy, a false view that, that really flies in the face of our Reformation understanding of vocation. That mm -hmm. all callings are equally high callings and can be done for the glory of God um, unless they are of their essence, uh, you know, sinful. And so yeah. if you're, you know, some just blacking boots uh, or, you know, people don't so much black boots anymore. But uh, if you're, you know, How whatever are you're you? doing, <laughs> I, I'm just channeling Spurgeon again. Um, okay. <laughs> if you're a cobbler, to use a, a modern <laughs> or a blacksmith. No, I mean, you, you could be the, the guy who fixes uh, cell phone screens because everyone always breaks them. And if yeah. you do that well and you do it to God's glory and you're even you can be looking for opportunities even to to make connections for uh, presenting the gospel. And I mean, these things, even if you don't have the spiritual component, working and working hard and working to the glory of God, uh, you're you're in obedience to God's word, doing everything you do to his glory. You're not like second class that's an old clergy lady distinction and divide that yeah. luther overturned 500 years ago with scripture and with a, a proper hermeneutic and a proper worldview and yeah. weirdly in like i feel like and i wasn't around but i feel like it was the 50s where people really started kind of going back around to that real hardcore uh yeah. and i don't want i feel like there's a lot of bad um side effects to it. I don't want my people to think that I am 
like on the higher level, like I am floating above them and they go through me to get to God. Again, right. that misses what we reclaimed in the, the Reformation. Yeah. And You're it, the upper class Christian. That, But isn't that a real, like even if people wouldn't say it, they kind of imply right. it a lot of times. And what it does yeah. is it, it makes people not strive to know God's word because I'll know it for them. Not yeah. want to wrestle with difficult issues because I'll do it for them. And and I'm happy to help. In fact, nothing brings me more joy than when someone will email me or call me out of the blue and say, I'm reading this scripture and can you help me understand it? That's like the best thing in the world for me. But right. I don't want them to just say, well, I can't understand this because I'm not the pastor. And the pastor does all this stuff and he shoulders all this. And Right. Now, now, what really got me thinking on this was uh, a particular tweet that was from Ronnie Martin, uh, who's a friend of mine and uh, a podcaster and a pastor and, and a speaker and stuff, uh, and, a, and a common Yoda tweeter, although I think his are often like the non-annoying, non-smarmy ones. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of his that got everyone freaking out was he said, if you think preaching is hard, try pastoring. And it started with pastors, comma. Um, Mm -hmm. and so you'd think it was just for pastors. Uh, and, uh, obviously we made much on the gut check press about the fact that Jonathan Merritt like retweeted and responded to it because that was a funny colliding of worlds. Uh, (laughs) but a lot of people reacted like really negatively, like Mm -hmm. nurses, you know, you don't see me bragging about how hard it is that I have to tell women uh, that are, you know, new mothers that they're dying of cancer and then they forget because it's brain cancer and I have to tell them three more times. And I responded to something like that saying, actually, I do see you bragging about that right above right. in that tweet. Um, <laughs> but like, A, not pastors responded to it. Everybody was like defending, well, you're, you're. and then B, I think they missed the point. Uh, he mm-hmm. was saying, pastor, if you if you're like, uh, pouring yourself into being a great preacher and you're struggling with how hard that is, you, you're missing a lot of what you're supposed to be doing, which is, you know, mm-hmm. the non-glorious, non-glamorous uh, stuff. Uh, not that preaching is actually glamorous, but like the stuff where you're not up front, um, you know, right. where you're with a, a elderly parishioner or with a sick individual or whatever the case. And, and, I started noticing after that that a lot of other people had this repeated theme of like, and, and, and he came out with to in response to this stuff saying, I didn't mean it like that. You misread me. I wasn't saying that this is harder than all other jobs. But a lot mm-hmm. of people are saying that, or at least implying it. Yeah. Uh, and, a, and a lot of them are pastors. And then a lot of people, like I absorbed a little of that, I think, from my parents. Like there was this reverence uh, for the office of pastor that it was proper. But then there right. was this notion that like, Oh man, those poor pastors. Now, what I wished we would have had um, Dutcher on this time is because he, you know, actually got to a point where he was working so very hard and so right. very long at this stuff that it burned him right out. And right. I'd like to have him kind of bridge that divide and say, well, maybe it's, and, and I can't put words in his mouth, but maybe it's not the position of pastor. But it's any time you start laying all the burden on your own shoulders or something. Like, I mean, I could see you doing that as a uh, high school principal. I could see. Oh yeah. Uh, I could see someone who's. I have seen someone who's running a store do that. You know, they're working yeah. so much they actually. Um, they, yeah, burn out. Burn right out, and you know, I I think that learning to rest in God and lean on Him is not unique to people who are missionaries, pastors, anyone in full time. Uh, you know, professional ministry or vocational ministry. Uh, right. And 
I I don't know. I, I really I really bristle at the notion that all pastors are. I'm not insanely insanely busy. I don't let yeah. that happen. You know why? Yeah. That would be a crappy uh, use of uh, my God-given gifts, and uh, where I'm supposed to be equipping. It would be yep. a crappy way to shortchange my family and and a vocation that's more important to me than pastor is father and husband. Right. And and I just learned early on that you don't have to be. Uh, yeah. And most of what keeps pastors so busy that they're you know, about ready to collapse, if that's the case, it's not stuff they needed to do. It's you know, right. It's, I, right. I, I put everything in my Palm Pilot, and when if someone wants me to come and now this doesn't happen much anymore, but come and pray at the Rotary Club or before the Relay for Life or whatever, I flip yeah. it open, and if I have put down, taken my kid to get a milkshake or uh, taken a bike ride to or whatever, I say, oh, you know, I can't do it. If it's a yep. funeral, I'll bump the thing. I'll say I can move some stuff around, right. but I have it on the. I've got it on my on my schedule, and there it is. And so I think that it, it has to do with this self martyr complex. If I yeah. if I'm suffering because I'm working so hard, I'm more worthy. Yeah. Well, no, you're not. And and yeah. and we can't be more. In the moment we think we're more worthy, we've missed the boat, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think. Um, what you were talking about really, you know, it, it rings true. Like you said, I mean, you, you can very easily, you know, run yourself ragged, um, you know, doing school administration, being a teacher. Um, that's one of the things that my wife and I, you know, had conversations about early on because she's the type of person that could very easily get up at five in the morning and work on uh, schoolwork from five until midnight go to bed for five hours and get up and do it all over again. And so, you know, her and I set some very clear boundaries because she started teaching before I did um, with, okay, you know, this is kind of when, you know, things need to stop and we need to be, you know, spending time together and making sure that you're breaking away and doing things that are going to, you know, kind of refresh you so you're not, piling all this on, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that there aren't times where life isn't crazy and busy. You know, I just, you know, you asked me how things were going and, you know, my response was crazy and busy. Um, but it's also a time and season right now in my life where there is, there is an end in sight where things will slow down. You know, right now I have a couple other things added on my plate that will not be there. Um, in about uh, in about a year, um, you know, mainly master's courses. And so, you know, I think um, I think like you said, though, it's it's important to pull back and say, you know what, I've made this commitment to my family and I'm going to keep this commitment um, to my family. And, you know, if the world falls apart around me, it's going to fall apart. But, but that's resting in the security that God's not going to, you know, the world isn't running and spinning because you're running and spinning. The world's running and spinning because God's causing it to run and spin. Um, you know, if you and, believe that it's round. <laughs> <laughs> One of them flat earthers, eh? <laughs> uh so, you know, I, it is, you know, and, and to your point, too, you know, like the idea that, you know, if you can't see yourself doing anything else, you, I mean, here's the deal. I've done tons of other things um, in you know, since I was 
since I could work and I could hold a job, um, I've done so many different things. And even in my career, I've done so many different things. Um, you know, my, my thing of, you know, being a teacher is I see very clearly this is, um, this is where my natural gifting is. I've worked very hard in the other jobs. I've, you know, made lots of money in the other jobs, but there was, there was something in my passion for that, that was missing that, that is there when I'm teaching or when I'm working with students. Um, you know, and, and I would, I would guess, and, and, you know, you can, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Zach, but the same thing is probably true for you. You've, you've had other jobs and things like that before. This is where your, your passion is, is in, um, in preaching. Is that correct? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I, I don't, I don't, so much have any other job that interests me. Uh, there's a few occasionally I go, Ooh, that looks like it would be kind of a nice life. Mm-hmm. I, I more like by principle say, I don't like the notion that God mm-hmm. makes us and, you know, puts a chip in us that says, this is what this person's supposed to do. And if they don't find that and they do something else, yeah. they're not going to be happy and they're not going to be doing my will. Like, I, I mean, God's will is a circle, not a point. Right. Uh, so, that that's more what I'm saying, and I do believe yeah. you know a lot of reformed people are so reformed they don't even believe in a calling. That's that's too continuationist for them. I do believe in a calling, and I believe sure. I'm called to ministry. So yeah. yeah, I maybe I would maybe I protest too much in that category. Uh, I really do think I would be unhappy in in some ways if I were made to leave the pastorate today. Yeah, and and I think I think that's fair. You know, I mean, I know. Um, when I, when I started out teaching, I had to leave teaching for a period of time. And, um, I believe that what I was doing was preparing me for God to bring me back into teaching. Um, I didn't leave because of any, you know, horrific thing. It, it, it literally boiled down to, um, you know, uh, Joy and I had college debt to pay and us both being, you know, private school teachers wasn't paying it. Um, and that's literally, you know, why I ended up going and doing something else. But even in that, I could see God was still using that and working in me. And I, I enjoyed what I was doing. I mean, for, for four years, I had a gap where I wasn't teaching for three of those years. I was working at the liquor store. I loved what I was doing at the liquor store because it was basically like being a teacher uh, people would come in and they would ask me about the alcohol and I got to sit there and explain to them all the, you know, various types and kinds and why go with this beer instead of that beer? Why go with this drink instead of that drink? And I got to actually use my, uh, my gifts and working with people and speaking with people in that industry. And it, and it was great. I loved it. I bet um, you did. You friggin' lush. <laughs> uh, by the uh, way, five, um, five o'clock I, somewhere, baby, five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> I think maybe we need a missional T-shirt that says, uh, uh, I loved working at the liquor store. It was just like being a teacher. <laughs> Nathan Bell. Jeff, Jeff, you heard it here first. Oh, Jeff's like seven years behind on all the podcasts. Oh, I know, He has I so know. many he has to keep up on. <laughs> That's why we can say stuff with impunity. By the time he hears it, I mean, we... <laughs> doesn't count anymore hey man i gotta i gotta roll here in a minute i wonder if i uh, we want to take a a minute i want to uh throw out some podcasts i've been listening to i want to share with people and i don't know if you had any too i I mentioned that to you earlier yeah go for it um 
here's what I've been listening to, and I'm going to leave out the stuff that was disappointing. I only want to tell you stuff I recommend. Okay. The one that made me want to talk about podcasts is called 1865. Mm-hmm. It is so good. It is a dramatization, but I mean, it's pure radio theater to the point where you can hear people moving around in the room, even though they're they're recording. They're recording dry as well, probably in a better sound booth than me. Um, yeah. it's, it's different voice actors. There's sound, there's, there's, it's just amazing. And it starts with the assassination of Lincoln, and it goes through the next year or so. Uh, and I learned a ton. It was really, really good. And I, it left me going, crap, what else is this? And I've tried a few things and I haven't found anything that lives up to it at all. So check out 1860. And in between episodes that are, that are like radio theater, they have the guys talking about, you know, this is what was fictionalized and this was, maybe this happened this way, but we, we chose to do it this way. And this is what's definitely fact. And it's really fascinating. Um, I've been listening to one called 20,000 Hertz, which is just all about sound um, and the history of sound, the stories behind iconic sounds like the, I don't know, the Mac boot up sound or the NBC chimes or whatever. I yep. love that one as well. It's it's kind of for nerds, uh, so it works perfect for me. I've been listening to one called Memory Palace, which has been around a while, but I'm just warming up to it. Short little, it's almost like, New Yorker type things, or it's kind of along the same lines as like uh, This American Life or something, but okay. no interviews. It's just one guy reading kind of a, a really uh, insightful essay each time. Some are funny, some are heartbreaking. You'll know right away if you listen to one whether or not it's for you. The Memory nice. Palace. And then the last one I just started listening to, it's brand new. There's just been two episodes. It's called Office Ladies. And it is uh, Angela Kinsey, who played Angela on The Office, and Jenna Fisher, who played Pam. They're watching their way through the whole series, and they're going to just comment on them. Uh, Nice. Episode by episode, give you behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, Next time, the third episode, they're going to have Rain Wilson, like, Skyping in. I'm pretty stoked about it, because we're currently introducing my son to The Office um, an episode at a time. So, in fact, uh, it's 7.30, so he's probably wondering where I am. And we're going to uh, – mom's out of town, so we're going to get some subs and watch some Office. So Nice, um, nice. Do you have, do you have any uh, – as I as I drive over to the door of the dojo? <laughs> um, actually, I don't. I haven't been uh, listening to podcasts. Um, this summer, my wife and I drove into work together, and she's not a podcast listener. so She probably wants to talk, right? Uh, actually, no. In the morning, neither of us <laughs> want to talk to each other. It's, it's. We are not, we are not morning people, and so you know, we had an hour drive in, and it, I mean, it was silent. Not because we were oh. mad at each other or anything. We're just not morning people. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, That's a we just, we just drove into work. Um, but I have not got back into. Uh, I have not got back in it. Back into listening to podcasts. Um, actually, I've been using um, been using that time. We've been starting a Bible study, so I've been kind of using that time to mentally prepare and and uh, work through um, work through the Bible study that we've been doing. So um, that's uh, I, I do uh, want to get back into it though. So. Uh, hopefully, you know, uh, within the next uh, couple weeks, uh, we're going to have Dutcher on and um, I can give some recommendations of some podcasts then. So nice. All right. Well, just want to tell people real quick, don't forget to um, like us on your favorite listening uh, 
area, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, set up a review for us. It gets us higher on the list so people can find us easier. Um, And Zach, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11.